This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner-nominated Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hacha! Hey, this is Andrew Merzak, highly disputed winner of this week's Geek Challenge, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe and Matt. Sort of break it, break it down like this. Welcome to episode 141 of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, November 27th. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me on the Twitter under the handle at Matt Baumstein. And when I'm not spinning the Thanksgiving gadradle and carving the gefilte fish, I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog for WolfPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick. You can find me at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not warming up the mold Manischewitz and stuffing the turkey with matzo balls, I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And I'm just going to give in. The artist and co-creator of the upcoming hit webcomic series, The Untold Tales of the Two-Headed Nerd. I swear it's going to be real this week. Send me swear. the script. In this week's episode. I don't episode. care if it's done. In this week's episode, you'll hear our reviews of Infinity Number 6 and Black Science Number 1. After that, we'll review 10 of this week's comics faster than an angry mob of housewives can trample a senior citizen at Walmart on Black Friday during a ludicrous speed round. Then... We'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where a mixture of tryptophan and lysergic acid dilithamide will show us the secrets of next week's comics. And finally, we're introducing a brand new segment called The Defenders! But before we light the menorah, let's take a second to name one thing that we're thankful for. Joe Patrick? Matt Baum. Oh, and I'm thankful for needle drugs. And then we'll talk <laughs> about this week's big news! Nah. <laughs> And then you ruined it. <laughs> Sad news this week, as DC Comics has reported the passing of comic book icon Al Plastino after a long battle with prostate cancer. Plastino is most remembered as the co-creator of both Supergirl and the Legion of Superheroes. In their statement, DC said, quote, Al Plastino helped redefine Superman in the 1950s. His fluid, graceful line work paired with a dynamic knack for facial expressions and subtle characterization made him one of the definitive Superman and DC artists of his time, and one held in high regard to this day. Plastino was 91. He had a good run. He did. But still, this is a bummer. Here's why it's an even bigger bummer. Plastino was just in the news for those original art pages with the Superman JFK thing. Yes, he and they, was trying the... to figure out how that these got, how the pages got into circulation because they were supposed to be at the JFK Museum in Boston, where he thought they were mm-hmm. for the past like 50 years. Right, and they were just being sold and around. Suddenly, they're up for auction at Heritage Auctions. Heritage was kind enough to pull the auction while they investigate who they owned them and where they came from, yep. but they really wanted to get it done fast because Plastina was in such sick, bad yeah. health. And this is, it's, I mean, the passing of a giant, the guy was amazing, right. but really sad they couldn't get that figured out before. Yes. Uh, Hopefully they uh, will, and they will get donated to the JFK Museum and, every, you know, where they belong. This is, of course, is the story we briefly mentioned last week, right? where President Kennedy asks Superman to help kids learn about physical fitness specifically fat kids fat kids <laughs> i didn't get the message i was born too late superman there's too many fat children in the united <laughs> states oh <laughs> <"Aw, laughs> superman <laughs> but I, I mean i know he was 91 and i know that we're coming to that time where we're gonna start losing a, a lot more of these guys every week now but it's very sad. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of the Legion of Superheroes, so that hits me a little bit. Um, but 
you know, it's it's rough to have these kind of the guys that kind of built the industry that you love right. start to pass away. So it is a real bummer. And uh, we are thinking of the Plastino family and we hope everything gets sorted out with that Kennedy story and that it goes back to where it belongs. And thank you for your contribution, sir. In other bad news, legendary comic book storyteller and creator of Usagi Ojimbo Stan Sakai needs our help. Sakai's wife, Sharon, has been battling a debilitating illness that's caused lengthy hospital stays and a need for around-the-clock medical care, beyond the coverage of their insurance. To help, the Cartoon Art Professional Society has put together an auction with 100% of the proceeds going directly to the Sakai's and is asking for cartoonists and comic book artists to contribute to the cause. Any artist interested in donating to the art auction can send their finished pieces including their name, estimated value, and a description of the piece to C-A-P-S, P.O. Box 656, Burbank, California, 91503. And if you don't have the artistic skills, you can donate monetarily to a PayPal account set up by Garage Art Studios. As with the art auction, all PayPal donations will go straight to the Sakai family. We'll have all this information, including links to both the PayPal donation site and the, the the address for the donations and the, the address arts. for the cartoon donations in the show notes for this episode this is a totally worthy cause and it always ends up with some kick ass art from other creators in support of this stuff and this is actually you know it, it kind of shines a light on the darker side of the comic industry not right. it's not the dark side but the, these guys are freelance artists Pretty stan much. sakai is a self-made man he's not on you know he he doesn't have a Marvel exclusive contract, right? So what is to what's he to do when illness strikes and yeah. he doesn't have? There is no dark horse health plan. I'm enough sure. insurance. It's not that they're uninsured. It's just that it's too much. It's right. too much to the, for them to bear. Which is a very popular theme in the insurance world these days. But this is an excellent chance for you to help a guy like Stan Sakai who totally deserves it and get your hands on some amazing art. Yeah. As we get more info as to where the auction will be, we will be sure to bring it to you. Watch this one, guys. They need your help. In lighter news, Marvel has confirmed what we all suspected. Daredevil will be relaunched under the all-new Marvel Now banner beginning in March. Fans of the current series can breathe a sigh of relief. The fan-favorite creative team of Mark Wade and Chris Somney will remain on the title. Like they were going to get rid of them. As they take Matt Murdock from the mean streets of Hell's Kitchen to the sunny city of San Francisco. In an interview with The Nerdist. My nemesis. Mark. I'm going to do e to you what I did to iFanboy. Go easy on them. Hear me, Hardwick. <laughs> Dude's dad just died and he's still working. Mark Wade described the new status quo saying, quote, Without spoiling too much of the final issue of the previous series, we can tell you that Matt has to leave New York and in many ways has no choice but to return to California, specifically California, nowhere else to go. But that's where he and his cast will hang their collective hat from now on. Now, Matt Bomb, is this good news for Didi, or is it a mistake to take him away from the city that he's so closely associated with? I don't know, and I trust these guys, and I have a feeling that when they say there'll be a reason that he has to leave New York, it's going to be a good reason. Right, I mean, it's not just going to be for the kicks. No, it's not just going to be like when Nightwing packed up and moved to New York, you know, and like and <laughs> ran a museum for a little bit. You know? Sure. Like, yeah, as long as the reason is good, 
I'm fine with it. A, a change of scenery is not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it can re- revitalize a totally. A book. And we've seen Matt burning quite a few bridges in New York for the last I don't know fifty years. Eighty years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, yeah, maybe San Francisco is a good place for a fresh start. The bottom line, though, is I think that. It's great news that Wade and Somni are not leaving the book. At Absolutely. the very least, Absolutely. I expected Somni to not be on the book. I, I thought when they relaunched it, it would be with a new artist. And so I'm very happy to see that they're sticking together. Yeah, definitely. I think it'll be a good fresh start for, for Daredevil. I think that's a good way to transition into a fresh start, too, rather than like, new artist, new writer. I mean, that's pretty sudden. This is a good way to bring them something else, but still give it the familiarity that yeah, we love. bring something new to the book while maintaining a consistent quality I don't know what that claw thing I just did was I'm making <laughs> claw motions to Joe Patrick that is the big news for this week if you want to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed hit us up on our Facebook page where Joe and I are announcing a huge status quo change for this show starting next week you can tune in to the THN Bowel Movement Journal, where we detail our fiber intake and brag about our regularity every week. That is disgusting. I know. But also healthy for your colon. You poop three times a day every day. There you go. <laughs> every Friday, the King of Thanksgiving, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week on our new THN web forum, which you can find by clicking the link at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Joe what did we ask the listeners this week? This week's question, what are your votes for best and worst comic book status quo shakeups? I gave Matt a really crippling example earlier today that I am <laughs> saving for the show. Yeah, we're not talking retcons here. We're yeah, not talking like, not no, like, he wasn't your father. We're right. talking about... Not everything you know is wrong. Status like, quo change, like when they moved Nightwing to New York, for example. Right. Daredevil moving to San Francisco. There you go. A status quo change. Of course, you can call us and leave a message with your answer using Skype. Probably not, but you can try it. Our Skype handle is two-headed nerd, all one word. We prefer it, though, when you call the Ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894. Got to keep that under three minutes or you'll get cut off. There's also the ever-growing MP3 crew. They're a gang. All you have to do is record an MP3. Everyone can record an MP3. Sure. Even babies can do it. Even Keith Silva can do it. That's right. <laughs> if you have a mind to, you can throw some sound effects in there or a soundtrack. Ooh, we love it. it we love it. Yeah. And then we'll send you a sleeveless jean jacket. That's right. You're in the gang. That's right. We do like it when you keep your MP3s concise. Yes. Three minutes or less. Yes. We nope. got to keep the show flowing. If you've got an epic to write, where can they do that? That's right. If you if you need more time, you can write to your heart's content in the question of the week section of the THN web forums already discussed earlier in the show. There we go. Sign up. There's only 66 of you right now. We need more buddies. On the bright side, there are 66 That's of you. That's great. It's Good great. job. I just want more. That's right. I'm greedy. It's review time on THN where Matt and I pull two of this week's new comics out of the freezer and plunge them directly into boiling oil with the intent of frying them to a golden brown, but instead resulting in an explosion that will ignite the entire northern wall of the ziggurat. Matt, you gotta defrost that first. I know, I was just hungry. (laughs) What did you read this week? This week, I read Black Science, number one, from Image Comics, written by Rick Remender, with art by Matteo Scalera. Here's your solicit. 
Grant McKay, former member of the Anarchistic Order of Scientists, has finally done the impossible. He has deciphered black science and punched through the barriers of reality. But what lies beyond the veil is not epiphany, but chaos! Now, Grant and his team are lost, living ghosts shipwrecked on an infinite ocean of alien worlds, barreling through the long-forgotten, ancient, and unimaginable dark realms. The only way is forward. The only question is how far are they willing to go, and how much can they endure to get home again? Rick Remender is a crazy person. He does not write comics like anyone else working in the industry today. Remender's previous work on titles like Fear Agent and Uncanny X-Force and Uncanny Adventures has taken readers for lunatic sci-fi rides that we have never experienced for. So when I heard this comic would be the spiritual successor to Remender's Fear Agent, but this time the gloves would be off, I was pretty excited. I loved Fear Agent for its raw lunacy and page after page of action, but it truly seems to have been a warm-up for black science. Issue number one drops the reader straight into a completely unrecognizable world populated with fish and frogmen that is perfectly rendered by Matteo Scalera with help of the beautifully painted colors by Dean White. We don't know much about the main character, Grant McKay, other than he is a rogue scientist. He's a member of an anarchist science research group. He's the father of two children and kind of a bad husband. All of this is introduced to us, though, as Grant is running for his life, panel after panel, thinking to himself about mistakes he's made in the past, what he was actually trying to do when he punched into this dimension that he's in now and like angry at himself for thinking that everything was going to be okay and he's pulled all these people into danger with him it's a really cool way to get to know a character very quickly stripping it down to the absolutes that we need to know to make him interesting because he's running and panting (laughs) you know basically barking out these thoughts Even without knowing a thing about the character, Remender instantly draws the reader into a near panic along with him. This is a comic pulp sci-fi at its best that just drops the reader into an amazing world that probably could have spawned an entire series. But just as you start to get your footing, Remender rips you away to a whole new reality with even more crazy questions. This was just fun. This was more fun than I've had reading a comic book in a long time and i cannot wait for more if there is anyone writing better sci-fi action than rick remender right now i demand their head on a platter this was awesome buy it (laughs) sometimes i just let you go (laughs) sometimes i just let you go i had so much fun reading this yeah it's very good i had a, a lot of fun with the story i will say that i thought that the art was a little too loose. See, I thought they did that on purpose. I'm sure they did. And the whole idea being to like, just to get the raw kinetics of the story. Sure. Just like you're running, you're running, you're running, you're running, you know? Sure, sure. But if that's going to be, he's not going to be running and running and running in every story. No. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Probably. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought that I, I like Mateo Scalera. I love it. I've him. been really enjoying the work he's done on the Indestructible Hulk. I just, for some reason, the art didn't really sell me. Wow. I, I loved the story. I'm like, this is a buy it. I'm not, I'm not equivocating No, I'm just shocked because I thought this was some of the best art I've seen from it, Scalera. It's not that it's bad. It's, it's different. Just, it's definitely um, different. It's the style choice that I think maybe left me uh, feeling a little unsatisfied. I, I, I 
kind of prefer if it had been just a little cleaner. See, I guess I liked you know? the looseness just because, like I said, it really it made the book more stressful for me. It sure. made the book like and scarier and more stressful. I totally get it, and I accept that. I'm not saying it was not well done in okay. the style that he chose. But there were some panels that I didn't even really understand what was happening. And that, I think, is a problem. Okay. There is a scene where he's running and he's on the edge of a cliff. And the next thing you know, he has fallen from the cliff and he's grabbed onto something. Is it breaking his fall and he's falling down to the ground below or is he swinging back up? I see what you're saying. You know, like I couldn't tell exactly what was in the action, what was happening. Gotcha. It's a small complaint. I like the artist. I I just would have preferred it a little less uh, loose. Okay. But I I really enjoyed it. I love the story. I love Rick Remender. Yeah. This is a buy it for me as well. Totally loved it. Joe Patrick, let's move right along to the elephant in the room. Why don't you tell us a little something about the conclusion to Infinity, Infinity number six. Wowza. This is from Marvel Comics, written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Jim Chung and Dustin Weaver. It's just solicit. That solicit. I read it already. <laughs> I don't need to read it again. It had bullet points. It didn't tell you anything you didn't already and know. If you're not following, you're not going to know what's going on anyway. <laughs> That's right. And even even if you are, you might not know what's going on. <laughs> Infinity number six wasn't just the end of this six issue event. It was the culmination of most of the things Jonathan Hickman has been setting up in Avengers and New Avengers over the past year. And it's a tremendously satisfying conclusion to a year's worth of epic storytelling. Fresh from their defeat of the Builders, the Avengers make it back to Earth to confront Thanos, but will they be too late? See, there's a solicit. There you go. One sentence. Sure. That's all you need. You nailed it. Epic really is the keyword here when describing Infinity. The scope of this event has been massive. Hickman has woven a story featuring conflict from multiple fronts, featuring dozens of characters with distinct voices, and he juggles it all perfectly. Not content with the scores of classic characters, Hickman adds so many new characters and concepts to the Marvel Universe in this event. This wasn't just the return of a 40-year-old villain with a new coat of paint. Infinity truly felt fresh, novel, and important. In this issue, Hickman somehow manages to give several characters their own moments to shine, but Black Bolt and the Inhumans are the real stars. You can tell that Hickman has an affinity for that group between this and his work with them in Fantastic Four. And in fact, I find it kind of surprising that Hickman isn't the one helming Inhumanity. I know. Speaking of Inhumanity, though, Hickman is able to bring real weight to the events of Infinity. With the developments with the Inhumans spilling into Marvel titles starting this week, Infinity seems to have brought genuine change to the Marvel Universe. Major characters may seem unchanged for the most part, Individual characters, I mean to say. But the landscape of the Marvel U feels different and exciting. And it isn't just confined to Earth. The story seeds that Hickman has planted span the universe. Artistically, Inhumanity has looked amazing. The presence of three different artists doesn't detract when those artists are Jim Chung, Jerome Pena, and Dustin Weaver. Yeah. In this issue, Chung returns to bookend the series with Weaver handling select moments. Chung's art is a joy to look at as always. My one complaint is that we don't get more of it. Overall, I thought Infinity was a hugely enjoyable read and issue six stuck the landing, which is something we often complain about with event stories. That's always been the problem. Hickman has set up so many different things that other writers can pick up and run with that I'm genuinely excited 
to see where the Marvel Universe goes from here. Great storytelling, amazing art. I'm giving Infinity number six and the event as a whole a huge buy it. I'm giving it a buy it as well. I liked that Hickman introduced a bunch of new characters and didn't do it just to kill them for a cheap thrill. Like, somebody dies this issue or something. It looked like there was going to be that moment. Didn't happen, which I was grateful for. You know, I liked that there's a nice twist with a major character in the end of this that I did not see coming. Right. You know, you it looked like it was going to play out one way. It turns out plays out very differently and it could be very bad for everyone yes i thought it was really cool like you said the, the way that he set up some subplots in the universe we see like what's going on with uh the scrolls yeah what's going the on Shi'ar, with yeah the Shi'ar, and nihilus and his and these are all yeah. story points these are and all these the, aren't even things that he might he yeah. might necessarily do these this might be some other guy's job man it could be a whole nother storyline that would be that's going to be great but yeah un, as opposed to our main bitch, and a lot of people's bitch with these event comics, is huge event, the planets get clapped together, but don't worry, everything's fine, go about your business. I will say that Marvel, in general, over the last 10 years, let's say, has done a great job of making events that have had repercussions. Definitely. House of M, Civil War. Definitely. Secret Invasion. But they've always kind of eased back to a status quo. But that's comics. And that's fine. I'm going to say, but what I'm saying about this is, I don't think they can ease back. Oh, sure they will. I think the Marvel U is in serious trouble. And I really liked that the Avengers kept throwing their might against this. Like, here come the Avengers to save the day. And there's really not a lot they can do. And even though they won... Captain America is walking around like, we did it. We did the job. And Tony Stark's walking around like, no, we didn't. (laughs) Sure. We got lucky, you know. Right. And we're going to. We are not prepared for this kind of stuff. I'm going to talk about this a little bit later when I review New Avengers and the ludicrous speed round. But yeah, I I think Marvel in general has done a great job of of setting up new status quos with these events. Right. Having these events feel like they have heft and weight and real consequence. Right. And even though, you know, the cyclical nature of comics and the cynical readership kind of force comics to move back towards the familiar. Right. At least for a while, I think we're going to get some really great things out of Infinity, and that I'm crediting 100% to Hickman. Absolutely. I agree. Huge buy it for me. <laughs> So that is a double buy it for both Infinity number six and Black Science number one. Of course, we want to know what you death gods and rogue scientists thought of these comics. So threaten the entire universe with your opinions over at the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button at twoheadednerd.com. It's that easy. Just do it. Black Friday is upon us and with it, savings undreamed of by man. This year, Joe and I aren't taking any chances and have raised a small army of heroes and villains to help conquer our Christmas shopping needs. So join us alongside Black Adam, Black Lightning, Black Bolt, Black Manta, Black Tarantula, Black Goliath, Frank Black, and Blackie Lawless as we mow through hordes of angry holiday shoppers to make sure our loved ones get the Christmas crap they deserve during this week's ludicrous speed round. Who's Blackie Lawless? Blackie Lawless is the lead singer of Wasp. He was also a member of the New York Dolls. Great. Very good. Speed. Go. Never ending. Number one from Dark Horse. I almost dismissed this new series from Amelia Cole writers Adam Knave and DJ Kirkbride, but I'm so glad I picked it up. 
Neverending is the story of immortal superhero Chuck Baxter and his quest to end the never-ending cycle he's trapped in with the help of his arch-nemesis, Archibald Crane. That's a heck of an arch-nemesis name. I know, right? I didn't dig the art by Robert Love, I'm sorry, but I enjoyed the story so much I'm still giving it a huge buy-it. Okay. Catwoman 25 from DC. I was excited to see that John Lehman was writing this zero-year tie-in with art by Aaron Lopristi, who I love. Where has that guy been? I love him, too. Unfortunately, this turned out to be another rushed tale of Selena Kyle becoming Catwoman in three or four pages. She even masters her whip the first time she uses it. Great art, but another worthless zero-year tie-in that sets up the crap that Anne Nascenti was writing so nicely. People are going to hide in an underground city during a hurricane. Really? Is it watertight? Leave this. This was dumb. Deadpool Annual Number 1 from Marvel. Thrilling Adventure Hour creators Ben Acker and Ben Blacker serve up the secret history of the voice inside Deadpool's head and the explanation for why it disappeared after the Marvel Now relaunch. I wasn't expecting to care about this at all, but it ended up being one of the best things I read this week and the funniest comic I've read in a long time. Great art by Doc Shaner. I like him a lot, too. I love that dude. Buy it. Avengers Arena number 18 from Marvel. Dennis Hopeless and Kev Walker put a bow on their AA title, and it ends just as well as it read. This series has been amazing and really made me care about some C-list Marvel kids. I cannot wait to see where they go from here. And I'm super excited to see what Arcade plans next, because they have returned him to A-list bad guy. It was awesome. Some of the best psychological superhero writing I have read in years. If you didn't read this and you're just talking smack about it. If you dismissed it you because are you thought it was wrong. Yeah. This was an excellent book. Buy it. Very good. New Avengers 12 from Marvel. Jonathan Hickman and Mike Diodato bring an epilogue to Infinity featuring the events effects on the Illuminati. And they show us that even though the Marvel Universe has been put through the ringer, they haven't seen yet. <laughs> I'm still on the outs with Mike Diodato, but kudos to Hickman for giving us event tie-ins that actually matter. Right on. Buy it. Aquaman, number 25 from DC. Luckily, no one is forcing Jeff Johns to crush Aquaman into a zero-year tie-in, and instead, we get the conclusion to the death of King, and it's huge! Johns and Pelletier do a fantastic job keeping this title insulated from the rest of the rather crappy DCU right now and just telling a great character story. Pelletier's art is amazing. Love that guy. Aquaman has a beard again. He looks like a badass. What more could you need except maybe more Jeff Johns? I'm hoping Parker can take this one over and run with it. They set up some really great stuff for Aquaman. I love this book. Buy it. I got some bad news for you about that beard. Did you yeah, read the I know, whole book? I know, I know. <laughs> Uncanny Avengers number 14 from Marvel. Speaking of books that matter, Rick Remender and Steve McNiven. You've got me saying Remender. I think it's Remender. Rick Remender. I can't Remender. (laughs) Rick Remender and Steve McNiven are causing a bloodbath in the pages of Uncanny Avengers. Three members of the team meet their demise in this issue. Or do they? I don't think they did. They did, but I don't know. This series is full of so many huge ideas and bizarre characters, I just can't help but love it. I doubt any of this is going to stick for long, but I'm definitely hooked into seeing where it goes from here. Buy it. 
Me too. I love it. Sledgehammer 44, The Lightning War from Dark Horse. Mike Mignola's Iron Man meets Frankenstein is back and fighting Nazis as usual. Lawrence Campbell is on the art here and his realistic style gives the comic a really good historical feel while keeping everything real dark and creepy and scary. I love his stuff. Uh, reminds me a little bit of Alex May Leave meets Michael Lark. It looked really cool. There's a very scary bad guy in this, and I love the way they draw him. Also, we learn what the Sledgehammer actually is. It's more fun, creepy, occult fiction for the BPRD crew, and you need to buy it! Max Maximize, number one from IDW. I've never read Sam Keith's The Max before this, so I thought that this remastered reprint would be a great excuse to try it out for the first time. Keith's art looks wonderful on nice paper with modern coloring, but I found the story to be so bizarre as to be almost nonsensical. Let's put story in quotes. Yeah, I mean, there's a story for sure. I mean, I'll give it a couple more issues, but so far it's just not my cup of tea. I'm giving it a skim it. Spoiler alert, goes nowhere, ends suddenly. (laughs) Mr. Peabody and Sherman, number one from IDW. Shally Fish writes this one, and he totally nails it. I grew up watching the Rocky and Bullwinkle show and loved Mr. Peabody and Sherman. So I was a bit worried about the update. No worries. Again, IDW does a perfect job updating the dog and his boy while holding on to the fast-paced, pun-filled ridiculousness of the old cartoon short. Fantastic art here by Jorg Monlongo. Jorge, come on, man. I like to say it, Jorg. <laughs> Jorge Monlongo, I loved this. Buy it! Quiet, you. That is your ludicrous speed round, and clock is the sound of Selena Kyle elbowing some generic nameless rich guy's bodyguard in the throat, as seen in this week's zero-year tie-in, which, you know, actually made sense this time, because Selena Kyle is from Gotham City, so I'll buy that she was there. True. In Catwoman, number 25. As has become our yearly tradition, our good friend Volstag the Voluminous comes over for Thanksgiving and a godlike feast ensues. With it also being the beginning of Hanukkah, we invited Ben Grimm, Moon Knight, Ambush Bug, Adam Smasher, and Sabra to join us as well in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. Little do they know that this year's turkey has been brined with apple cider and LSD. The resulting onslaught of tryptophan and hallucinogenics should lead us on a psychedelic trip to the secrets of next week's comics. Matt, rub your belly. And tell me what you're reading next week. Next week, I can't believe it, but I'm excited for a Terminator comic book. I can't believe it either. I think you make that up. <laughs> Terminator Salvation, The Final Battle from Dark Horse. This one is written by J. Michael Straczynski with art by Pete Woods. Here's your solicit. A-listers J. Michael Straczynski and Pete Woods unite for the biggest Terminator story ever. Hopping between the future and the past, this sweeping 12-issue epic counts down the end of the machine war, but not the one fans expect. I don't know what that means. Whoa. Everything's at stake, and the fates of Skynet and John Carter will be told. This sounds like it picks up after the last movie, which I did not particularly love, but also did not particularly hate. I Agreed. really, I really like the Terminator mythos, and I want it to be so cool. I think it's going to be fun. If nothing else, Pete Woods sure draws pretty pictures. They just can't stop rewriting their own history. I know. It's like they didn't even pay attention. (laughs) Joe Patrick, what are you excited for next week? 
There's no other choice for me. It's Inhumanity, number one, from Marvel Comics, written by Matt Fraction, with art by Olivier Coipel and Nick Bradshaw. Love both those guys. Here's your solicit. After Infinity, the Marvel Universe has changed. The Avengers find themselves face-to-face with Karnak, who has discovered the secret of the Inhumans that will shake the Marvel U to its core. I love Karnak. He's my favorite Inhuman. Yes, I love Karnak. I love what's coming up with this Terrigen bomb thing and the random humans just suddenly discovering that they're inhumans. Yeah. I am very pumped. And this is the kickoff. Gotta read it. It's gonna be a mess. It's gonna be a must read. It's gonna be fun. The THN trade of the week next week goes to Ghosted, Volume 1, from Image Comics Skybound. This is written. This is written by Joshua Williamson with art by Goran Suzuka. Here's your solicit. Jack sounds like a giant monster. <laughs> go go Suzuka! <laughs> oh no, Suzuka! Oh, isn't it? Isn't it? Okay, no, whatever. no, he's got to go. Oh no, Suzuka! <laughs> Jackson T. Winters is one of the greatest criminal masterminds to ever live, except rotting in jail after his last Doom score. But when a filthy rich collector breaks Winters out, he's tasked to put together an elite team of paranormal experts to do the impossible. Steal a ghost from a haunted house of horrors! What? Skybound's horror-slash-crime mashup is equal parts Ocean Eleven and The Shining by writer Joshua Williamson, who wrote Masks and Mobsters, didn't read it, and currently writes Captain Midnight, and artist Goran Suzuka, who drew Outlaw Nation and Why the Last Man. He... This collects Ghosted number one through five. To be fair, Suzuka did some filling stuff, didn't draw at all, obviously. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not even sure he drew any of the interiors. He may have just done covers. I think he did some flashback stuff. Perhaps. Regardless. This was one of those series where I picked up the first issue, totally loved it, and then was bombarded by other comics that were coming out. Didn't have a chance to read more. I'm really looking forward to picking up this trade paperback and reading through it. Ghosted is a ton of fun. Going to be a TV show in no time. Joshua Williamson also was the first writer of the Voodoo series. That's true. From the New 52, which, the, the if I recall... forgettable Voodoo series. No, we liked it. Uh, for the first four issues until he got replaced. Yeah. But, I mean, he got replaced <laughs> by Ron Mars, so... So there. So there. As always, we want to know what you're looking forward to, so wait for your tummy to settle and tell us what you're excited for next week over at the THN Forums. as it would turn out. Our interview fell through this week, so it's time for a brand new segment on the show we're calling The Defenders. Basically, Joe and I haul one nerd into our courtroom to defend a comic, creator, or nerdy franchise that most would deem less than awesome. They say their piece, and then, like a two-headed tribunal, Joe and I pass a judgment of f***ing awesome or f***ing terrible. Today... We welcome young Keith Binder into the THN courtroom where he will approach the bench and defend the universally reviled CW TV series, Smallville. Keith Binder, approach the bench and speak your piece. Hello, everybody. This is Keith Binder. I am one of Joe Patrick's lackeys at the shop, Legend Comics and Coffee. And I'm here today to talk about Smallville. Smallville was a show on the CW that was produced by Alfred Goh and Miles Millar. 
and a slew of other producers that left often, starring Tom Welling as a young Clark Kent. We pick up, he's 14, he goes through he 10 years. He was 14 when it started? 14 when he started. Yeah, they were sophomores. Tom Welling was they supposed to be a 14-year-old kid. Were they freshmen? <laughs> They were freshmen. They graduated season four. Wow. 14-year-old hunky Tom Willie. <laughs> he looked like he was 28. <laughs> he was 28. <laughs> he was well into he his 30s old. when the show ended. Uh, you may continue. Um, and it ran the gamut of Superman lore. and saw everything from the formation of the Justice League, Sans, Batman, and Wonder Woman, to the invasion of Zod and other Kryptonians. And even Doomsday. No, Superman did not die. Spoiler alert, he becomes Superman at the end of the very last episode of the very last season. <laughs> I believe they call it a series finale. It was 12 um, seasons, is that correct? 10. 10. 10, 10 seasons? 10 all seasons. And we, 10 got seasons to, of this. we got to finally see him become Superman on the very last episode, is that correct? Mm. In, in the last yes. two minutes. I'm just checking the notes here. I just want to make sure we've got all this. All right. And... Why don't you go ahead and give us your defense of the show? As you know, Joe and I have gone on record as not enjoying Smallville. Joe has defended a Indeed. couple episodes here and there. I will defend none of them. I'd like to hear your defense, sir. Well, it ran. It was a, the formula of the show was uh, freak of the week for the first couple of years in the, in the vein of the X-Files and uh, other shows like that, Buffy, stuff like that. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, yeah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are still kind of stuck on that right now, too. <laughs> they got away from it and got into more cool stuff. Not all that often, but, I mean, a couple of, epi- a couple of episodes every season where really, really cool stuff happens. And it really was about, for the first six or seven seasons, was about the relationship of Clark Kent with Lex Luthor and Lex Luthor's relationship with his father and the world and becoming the supervillain he becomes. Okay, as and, as with all TV series, there's one season where they totally nailed it, like knocked out of the park. What is the best yeah. season of Smallville? Season I'm laughing just six. saying that out loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> season six. And what was so great about probably, it? Probably season six. That's season the one six. that saw the saw the uh creation of the justice league it was really really good times okay um but in this age of the man of steel i feel like everybody should go back and watch some smallville to see what superman is really like because not only did he never kill anybody his father john jonathan and his mother uh yeah bo duke superman 3's lana lang annette o'toole oh that's right that's right were very great. They were, they were. It was the perfect. It was. It was like the Jeff Johns Superman series where Ma and Pa Kent are awesome. Better than Andrew Costner is. was he? Bet was Bo Duke better than Costner? He he was way better than Costner. Yeah. You know what? You know what? Superman's dad never did. <laughs> Tell him it's okay to let people die. <laughs> and you know what? That's exactly not the thing that John Schneider. So you know it it really captured that spirit of like the boy scout you know so like, let me, he, he struggles don't get me wrong let me see if but, i've got this straight your defense of smallville 
is that we should watch it because it is a better representation of Superman than the newest Superman movie. Hell yeah. Okay. And like they established early on, no flights, no tights. So you didn't get it until the end. Okay. Now they got around it. They got around that often by saying, you know, when Clark is infected with red kryptonite, he's Kal-El and not Clark Kent, and so he can fly around and stuff. And that was fun. And they had Supergirl, who flew around and wore a cape at certain points. And, of course, Zod flies around like nobody's business. But I think it didn't need it. He punched stuff a lot. And... And that was good enough for me. Were you? Let me uh, ask you this question. Were you okay waiting 12 years to see him put the Superman suit on? For 10 years. 30, pardon me, 10 years. For what, 30 seconds? How long did he have it on? Two minutes. Two minutes? I was, was it I worth was okay it? With was it. the payoff there? We got the Legion of Superheroes, so it was okay. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that last scene. It was really fun. I think as a coming-of-age story for Superman, it, while it doesn't hit the high notes as Birthright and For All Seasons and stuff like that, or uh, Secret Identity even, it's much better than New 52 Action Comics, New 52 Justice League, New 52 Superman. Okay. It is, it is far better... Uh, a journey. Like, yeah, well, that's DC's fault, though, because, you know, they're cramming all that crap in in monthly books in less than two years, and it really needs to be fleshed out more than that. And that's what they did on Smallville, and it was super fun and it had a lot of really great actors. Michael Rosenbaum is the best Lex Luthor, I think. I did, think he, was, I did think he was pretty good on that show. Better than yeah. Gene Hackman? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well, he was a different Lex Absolutely. Luthor, to different be fair. Type. Yeah, yeah, different type. To be fair. He was a scarier uh, Lex Luthor than Gene Hackman was. Well, I think we've got a lot to think about here. Should we retire to our chambers and have a little deliberation? Yes. Okay. <laughs> After hearing your arguments and a long deliberation, Joe Patrick and I have come to a verdict. Joe, would you like to explain yourself a little bit before we pass judgment on young Keith Binder? Yes. While I think that Keith raised several good points and he swayed me a little bit in his direction, justice is black and white. It's true. I can say that Smallville did too much terrible garbage. <laughs> Like Kryptonian Ninja Witches. Oh, God. And Doomsday the Paramedic. Oh, <laughs> Smallville did too many awful, awful things to its characters and to the minds of its viewers. I'm afraid I'm going to have to agree. I think two to three episodes a season for ten years where something kind of cool happened. <laughs> it's, it's not enough for me to forgive Smallville. Keith Binder, is there anything you would like to say to this court before we issue our verdict? No, Your Honor, I submit myself to your judgment. <laughs> At this time, the Honorable Judge Joe Patrick and myself issue a verdict of f terrible to Smallville, and I'm afraid. Objection! Objection! <laughs> and 
as your punishment, young Keith Binder, you'll be banished to the Phantom Zone to think about your man crush on Tom Welling for all eternity. <laughs> Thank you for playing the Defenders with the two-headed nerd. Thank you, Yonos. <laughs> this council has no hesitation in proclaiming you all guilty. 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 Thank you for playing, Keith. And if you'd like to have judgment passed on your guilty pleasures, go to the THN forums, click on The Defenders, present your case, and you could be the next nerd to be hauled in front of the two-headed tribunal. Oh, yeah. Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for the Hanukkah-giving episode of THN. If you're sipping Manischewitz and eating leftover turkey sandwiches on challah bread, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes. Holla. <laughs> iTunes or Stitcher, where you can give the show a star rating, written review, or a Stitcher thumbs up to help us connect with other potential listeners. It accidentally came Couldn't resist. Thanks to all of our past donors, and if you'd like to help keep us in yarmulkes, pilgrim hats, and headdresses, you can make your donation in any amount using our tender, juicy little PayPal button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. It looks delicious. Mm. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed, at TwoHeadedNerd, our email, TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com, our YouTube channel, THN Comicast, our Skype handle, TwoHeadedNerd, all one word, and our direct ziggurat phone number, 402-819-4894. All of these resources can be used to ask your Ask a Nerd questions, or to contact the comic pushers to ask what you should be reading, or... Ask us to review your comic book, be it printed, digital, or whatever. And whatever. don't forget to go sign up for the new THN forums. It's your little virtual piece of the ziggurat. There you can get the rules for our new geek challenge, which we oh, will yeah. be hosting on Twitter probably once a week. But there's no warning when it's coming. So get on there, read the rules. And if you want to step up in front of the Living Tribunal, go check out the Defenders section of the forums and defend your crappy comic book or hero or creator with everything you've got. We might just put you on this show. Remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. And if you want to hear our answers along with your own audio responses, be sure to check out the Two-Headed Nerd Answer of the Week podcast. If you're already subscribed to the show, you don't need to do anything. It will just magically show up in your feed every Wednesday. Speaking of the feed, feed. I know that people are having problems with it. Our main man, Max, suspects that it is a problem with iTunes, not with us. We are looking into a fix. In the meantime, there's Stitcher Radio. There you go. There's Rhymes with Geek. There you go. Both of those places feature our show. There's TwoHeadedNerd.com. You can also download directly from TwoHeadedNerd.com and just Put it on your device the old-fashioned way. You, you don't need to use the goddamn podcast app every time Keith Binder. <laughs> Next week, Ask a Nerd is back, and it's got a new home on the THN forums. Get up there and start posting your questions. We might pick you to ask us in person on the show. If you need more THN in your life, get over to TwoHeadedNerd.com and check out Aaron Myers of the Comics Therapy Podcast fame and his ludicrous speed reviews, which I rarely agree with, and Casey's Girl Meets Nerd blog, where she outs me as a PETA hater while making fun of my Hunger Games knowledge. Before we go, a weekly shout-out goes to Andrew Merzak, 
who slaughtered Joe Patrick That's in last true. night's Twitter Geek Challenge. That is not true. Like I said, the Geek Challenge is a new thing we will be hosting periodically on Twitter. You can check the forums for all the rules. It's a ton of fun and anyone can play. Word to you, Andy. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics. Your retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. I hope you guys all had a happy turkey day and your Hanukkah. And that you're having a real bitch. And you're having a totally bitchin' Hanukkah. <laughs> this is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off. Gobble, gobble, y'all. Gobble, gobble, y'all.